Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate NFL Week 2 Pick'em Pod. I'm Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, this is like the MJ flu game right now for you. Yeah, not feeling my best, but I'm going to power through it. Excited to talk about the slate of games uh, coming up. Got to do what you got to do for Blue Wire. Content never sleeps. Week two of the NFL season is is upon us. We, we put a bow on week one uh, on our Sunday Scaries pod. A wild couple games last night. I know you were a little bit upset about the Texans blowing uh, your live money line bet. Bill O'Brien, doghouse, deep in the doghouse. Bill O'Brien just <laughs> continues to amaze me how stupid he is. Their play calling throughout the game was, I think, set up to get Deshaun Watson hurt. Constantly doing like running back draws on first and second down, setting up long third downs. And Deshaun Watson kept bailing him out. He was incredible. And then the defense at the end of the game, I know Bill O'Brien doesn't coach the defense, but he is the head coach, and those late-game situations have to be walked through in practice. First of all, they were playing so off the Saints. The Saints needed like eight yards. They basically gave Drew Brees exactly what he needed, a quick eight-yard, eight, ten-yard completion to set them up in field goal range. And second, when he caught it, just let Ted Ginn lie there. There were two seconds left in the game. There's no reason to touch him. Just those kind of things, a well-coached team knows what to do in those scenarios. Bill O'Brien just frustrates the hell out of me. 
doghouse in Tyler's crosshairs as the exterminator early. What more would you expect? Um, yeah, that was that was a wild game. And then we both lost on the Raiders in the late game. I like their team total under. What can you do? We're here to talk about week two. Um, but props us, Tyler. Week one wasn't a total disaster. We won our pick em pool. So that was nice. We won week one. The entry fees paid for. So that's nice. Um, I went two, two and one in the five games we previewed. You went three, one and one. And on lock of the week, I won mine. You lost yours. So that leaves us about even. Um, And looking at week two, Tyler, we were talking about it a little before the pod, but feels like there's a lot of landmines out here. There are eight road favorites in week two, um, which is our ultimate guilty pleasure. I know it's it's, (laughs) that is a lot. That's some really juicy ones out there. And you just look at the slate of games overall 13 of them are one are the spread is one possession or less so a lot of tight spreads it's gonna be hard to pick i felt like week one like you said we did really well picking the games in the pool this week it's gonna be tougher with such small spreads uh not a lot of room to work with no not at all um before we get into our first game we want to announce an exciting contest for full slate listeners uh we're running a thursday night football contest this week so full slate listeners all you have to do is you will send out a tweet we will need you the listener to retweet it and then dm us a screenshot of you listening to this episode of the podcast with your pick for the thursday night football game so we'll include the line for the bucks panthers game uh, right now it's six and a half we'll tweet that out tomorrow so send us your pick and we will randomly choose a one person who sends us the correct winner um and venmo them twenty dollars so our listeners are getting rich we've given out yankees tickets we have a survivor pool we just gave out a free nba 2k what more do they want keep giving out money i don't know how i feel about it um you know i need that money for putting on the games but we got to do what we got to do we do what we got to do for the full slate fam so we will tweet out that contest but look for that uh without further ado tyler let's get to our first game here um my i'm gonna say my minnesota vikings uh going into green bay to take on your packers uh you like their team total over you like them to win the nfc north they are three point home favorites in this one over unders 44 and these two teams kind of had, they're both 1-0, but I think showed out in very different fashions in week one. Packers won a disgusting game in Chicago, but they did escape with the win. And the Vikings stomped on the Falcons in their home opener. Um, so, Tyler, I'll kick it to you first here. Um, but do you like Rodgers in his home opener with Matt LaFleur? Well, I wouldn't say they won completely in separate ways. Both games are predicated on their defense dominating, really helping out the offense. Dalvin, The Vikings offense did play slightly better than the Packers. Dalvin Cook was great, but the main storyline I thought from both of those first games for those teams were their defenses played great. I do like the Packers in this game, minus three, I think just being at home and also having you know, playing the Thursday night game, they have additional rest, additional time to get ready. And Kirk Cousins, he only threw the ball 10 times in the first game. He's going to have to throw the ball more in this one on the road versus what I think is going to be a really good defense throughout the season in the Packers. I like that. I, I 
I'm fading Kirk Cousins. Doesn't it's pretty easy for me to do that. So that's why I like the Packers. Are you on the opposite side? I am. How how nice this is. And I knew you were gonna go right at my boy Kirk Cousins. Like I said, I find myself on this island and while preparing for this podcast, I was like, Oh, I wonder how he played last year in Green Bay. They played early in the season. He went thirty five of forty eight, four hundred and twenty five yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Granted, I know this Packers defense is much improved. They have a number of free agent acquisitions in the offseason. They showed out on Thursday Night Football. But the fact that Kirk Cousins has any kind of confidence that he can show up and play well there, I like that. They tied, actually, last year in their game. Um, But I'm banking on the Vikings to just continue this commitment to the run game. They rushed the ball 38 times for 172 yards versus the Atlanta Falcons. Dalvin Cook looked incredible. Even the backup, Alexander Madison, looked looked nifty back there out of the backfield. I was a fan of him. And Mike Zimmer's had a lot of success in September games. Uh, they're 9-3-1 and against the spread their last 13 September games. I like them in this spot on the road. Um, I think I may end up buying the Vikings up to like three and a half if I'm taking the spread, but for purposes of the pick em pod plus three, I like the Vikings and I even think they're a tasty money line option at plus plus one thirty. I think if they can just stick to the game plan that they did versus the Falcons smash mouth defense, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then just throw it to Adam Thielen. I agree that if you're taking the Vikings plus three, you might as well take the money line. Um, so I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Packers also have been good at in September, 12-3 and one straight up their last 16 September games. They're also seven and three against the spread their last 10 games at home versus Vikings. So some favorable trends there. Something I don't think Minnesota will benefit from in this game that they did in the last one was they kept getting set up with short fields. Their defense was playing great. They blocked a punt, got an interception of Matt Ryan which helped the offense not have to drive long fields. I don't see the Packers committing those type of mistakes at home. So I'm basically putting it on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense to have long, sustainable drives. If they do that, they will be able to cover. But like I said, I really believe in this Packers defense and just having that extra rest to get the offense sorted out a little more will benefit them as well. Yeah, I I think this is going to be a real temperature game uh, for both these teams. In terms of who I I said before the season, I like the Vikings. I think this game on Sunday is going to tell us a lot. There's a reason we're profiling it first. I think besides Saints-Rams, this is the next most must-watch game in my eyes. Just because I'm interested to see Matt LaFleur. Game two, he got the first win under his belt. But the offense, it was disgusting. They never really got the running game going either. And this Vikings team just shut down the Atlanta Falcons on on their ground game. Obviously you have Aaron Rodgers back there, so there are easily ways that can win without him, but I think the Vikings are going to try and play keep away. They they could. I think the Packers are just going to have so much confidence coming into this one playing so bad offensively. And what we talked about on the Sunday scares pod was that hasn't been the case with the Packers where if Rodgers struggles, they're usually losing in the past. That wasn't the case. They beat the Bears, a huge rivalry. I think they're going to be super juiced up coming to this one, riding a lot of momentum from the opening, you know, huge opening night win. So 
I like the Packers. I think we could go back and forth on how, forever. How different. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to agree on this one. So it'll be fun to be on opposite sides for that. Let's move on to the next game. Another really good early game. The Seahawks going to Pittsburgh take on the Steelers. Steelers are minus four. Over under is 46 and a half. Cody, where are you leaning in this one? So this one, you look at it. And obviously, recency bias. Sunday night football opener versus the uh, New England Patriots. The Steelers got absolutely stomped on in a way that I feel like we haven't really seen from them very recently. 33-3. to It was disgusting. They couldn't stop the Pats at all. Tom Brady looked like 07 Tom Brady. They're just literally doing whatever they wanted out there. Um, but Seattle... Flies across the country. We have our first west to east uh, of of the season, right? Where they played at home versus Cincinnati. They snuck out a victory there, but quite frankly, didn't look great. Andy Dalton threw all over the place on them. 418 yards for him without A.J. Green, granted. Don't forget that. And uh, Joe Mixon got banged up. And the Bengals still made that one a ball game. I like the Steelers here with the points. Minus four. Um, I think you get the bounce back. I think they were absolutely embarrassed, and they know that they can't start the season 0-2. Um, Juju did get banged up, which is always a little bit concerning, but he'll be fine. He'll be good to go in this one. Um, in the Mike Tomlin era, following a loss, they're 39-27 and against the spread. I think at home, with all these things considered, after just literally getting embarrassed. It was embarrassing. If you're a Steelers fan, if you're anyone in that organization, uh, and plus you have the Antonio Brown news of him going to the Patriots, which right before the pod, we have breaking news related to rape allegations there. But granted, it's a lot going on. If you're a Steelers fan, minus four, I like them in this spot at home. Tyler, that was a lot. Where, what are you? Where are you? Sorry, that wasn't English. Where's your head at? That was a lot. Great monologue. <laughs> Thank you. I'll summarize. I agree with you. I like the Steelers as well. Minus four. Just last, Sunday night was embarrassing. I obviously thought they were going to cover and play well in that game. That didn't come to fruition. You mentioned Seattle going to the Eastern time zone. Weirdly, I mean, not weirdly, they've been a good team. Since 2013, they've played 10 games, an early 1 o'clock Eastern time zone game. They're 8-2 and two straight up in those games. You'd figure it'd be the opposite, but they do play well. On the East Coast, however, I still like the Steelers. They played so bad Sunday night. Absolutely embarrassed. Seattle is 1-0. I don't think they come in with the same, you know, just that desperation to win. So uh, that's why I like the Steelers. Um, Seattle's 1-8 straight up. 0-8-1 against yep. the spread last nine September games. They just don't start the season well. And I wanted to ask you this about the Steelers just overall as the season goes on. Like, how much do you think this Antonio Brown thing you mentioned the off the field thing. We don't know what's going to happen with that. That literally just came out at, before we started. But if he is playing, like how much that bothers them that he went to the Patriots? I, I feel like that has to be in their head. It sucks. It's I mean, it's literally like your ex-girlfriend breaks up with you and goes with like goes to basically starts hooking up with the prom king. And you're like, oh, fuck, he wins everything. And now they have him, too. Here we are. Uh and they just got absolutely demolished by 30 points. Plus, they have a top, I mean, when healthy and when his head is uh, in the game. I don't know, a top three wide receiver in football easily. 
Definitely. And a little tidbit I like on the Steelers. So since 2014, teams who lose their first game by 10 or more points in week two, they're 21-12-1 and one against the spread. So you get that bounce back factor. Like we said, I think they come in with a little bit of desperation, chip on their shoulder. They're embarrassed. The defense was horrible. How awful was Mike Tomlin's decision to kick that field goal down 20 to nothing? Just, yeah. my God, these coaches are just teeing it up for me early in the season. Yeah, they're just literally trying to troll you. I don't I don't understand what he's thinking, especially as someone who his whole track record is being so aggressive, not kicking extra points, going for two, and then you t- take the field goal there. That was a really weird move. Do you have any thoughts on this over-under, 46 and a half? I don't have a strong feeling. Some of the trends I was reading would trend towards the under. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Are you feeling strong on one way? I'm not feeling super strongly, but I just do want to throw out this trend for the listeners. Four out of the last five times in this matchup, the totals went under with an average score of 37 points. I think at first glass glance, you see 46 and a half. You think Russell Wilson, Big Ben. You're like, oh, that's kind of low. Um, but again, Seattle only put up 21 at home, and obviously we know what happened with the Steelers. So, But I mean, the way... Both defenses played in the first game was pretty terrible. Like you said, Andy Dalton tore him up. Brady had anything he wanted. So I know the trends are going towards the under, but if you're just going off of what we saw in week one, I think you would expect a higher scoring game. The Steelers offense is going to play that bad again. And Seattle's defense didn't really show you anything. So if I guess I'm on the over if I'm leaning one way. Touche. Yeah, I like I like the under in this one, um, but I, I'm on the Steelers. Steelers minus four. Um, okay, third game we have here, probably game of the week. The Saints heading west, taking on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are two and a half points, home favorites. And uh, again, we're going off the lines of my bookie, our good friends. Um, some would say family at this point. Over-unders, 53. Obviously, Saints come off. We already talked about it a little bit, but that wild one versus Houston at home. They eke out a victory but do not cover the spread, uh, which was I was on the wrong side of that one. Props to you, Tyler. Tipping the hat. Um, what what are you are you leaning in one way in this game? Obviously, we have the NFC Championship revenge factor here. A lot of things at play. These teams I've met four times in the last couple seasons. They've split it two two and two each. Um, where's your head at? Yeah, it's it's a toss up at two and a half. Essentially, a pick them under field goal. I, th- I think I'm leaning towards the Saints. Just the revenge factor, I think, will play a factor. In this one, they're 7-1 straight up. They're last eight on the road. They remember what happened last year in the NFC Championship game. Rams come into their building, win, go to the Super Bowl. I think that motivates them in this one to, you know, get that revenge, go back at them. And, you know, both these teams played in, like, super intense games. Uh, I think the Rams might be a little tired playing in the heat of Carolina. That was a physical game coming back. To the West Coast, I think could play a factor as well. So I'm leaning the Saints. What about you? I think you could say the same thing about the Saints being tired because they have one less day of rest, um, which is the angle I like in this one. They obviously have to go east to west. Um, I know the revenge factor comes into play theoretically. Um, I don't know at this point. I think two and a half isn't enough for me to be super enticed by them. Um, 
one one little trend I found that I I've, I really enjoy here. So since uh, Sean McVay has taken over as a Rams head coach in 2017, they are five and one against the spread when they have a rest advantage in a game. Uh, so more time for them to prepare compared to the opponents at home. Um, I know they don't have much if at all, uh, of a home field advantage, but I like them in this spot. And what essentially for a gambler is a pick on, like if you're going to bet minus two and a half, I almost feel like look at the money line. So I'm pulling that up. Um, minus two and a half there. They are minus 140 on the money line. Saints are plus 120. If you're going to really play this game, I've, I like Rams money line for purposes of our pick'em podcast. I like Rams minus two and a half. So one trend I'll go back at you with. So since Ooh. 2017, the Saints are 10, 10 and six against the spread on the road. The Rams under McVay only seven and nine, seven nine and one against the spread at home. So like you said, not a great home field advantage. They're not a great bet at home. <clears throat> Obviously, the Saints have a shorter rest, but they were at home. I don't know. It's not. I don't really factor that in as much. Maybe I should. I thought Alvin Kamara looked awesome last night. Can they give him the ball more, please? He, he rips off a gain of 30 yards, and then he's out for the rest of the drive. It still drives me insane. I don't even have him in fantasy this year, but Taysom Hill had to make an appearance. Michael Thomas is still a beast. I don't know. I just I like the Saints in this game. I think what happened last year is squarely on their mind, so... I like the Saints, and it's going to be a close game, and it should be high scoring. 54 is the total. Do you have any lean either way on that? I remember last year, we we should try and pull up whatever the total was. I remember when they played in New Orleans. It was 60, insane. 60, I think. You found it, yeah, 60. Um, I, I think I like the over in this one. Uh, just these two offenses. We saw what happened last night on Monday Night Football with this Saints team. You know all too well what happened with the Rams last week and their over-under. Um, the total on that one was 57. We had 58 last night. Um, I, I like the over in this one. This feels like a 31-28 ball game to me. I agree. Like Just taking the under, you'll, you'll be regretting it the whole time because like we saw with the Rams last week and the Saints last night, if these these teams can start off slow, they both did, but they could pick it up in a hurry and it could turn into a shootout real quick. So I'm leaning the over as well. Let's move on to the Sunday night game before we take a break. Eagles at Falcons. Falcons are one and a half point home dogs. The over-under is 51. Cody, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this is an interesting one because the line opened and the Falcons were actually two and a half point home favorites. But this thing has swung four points in the other direction uh, towards the Eagles. So obviously a lot of money coming in on them. This line scares me, to be honest. It, scre- it screams trap game. Um, everything in the world is saying, take the Eagles, take the Eagles, take the Eagles. Obviously, they got off to a slow start versus the Redskins, but finished strong. They had the backdoor cover against them. Um, but the Falcons look like absolute dog shit. Um, excuse my language. In Minnesota, their running defense got gashed. Um, they lose an offensive lineman. Chris Lindstrom broke his foot. He'll he'll be out, I think, about eight weeks. And they already didn't have a great offensive line to begin with. Um, all these things being considered, I like the Eagles, but I'm scared because this feels way too obvious. Yeah, this seems like a 
huge overreaction to week one, I feel like. Coming into season, I think we both agreed and a lot of people agreed that the Falcons were going to have a bounce back year, be a playoff team, possibly win the NFC South. Matt Ryan, MVP, we talked about it. So they played terrible week one in Minnesota versus a really good defense. And now they're home dogs to the Eagles, who didn't play well versus the Redskins. They did, you know, have the explosive second half, but Redskins are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. So. I don't see it personally why the Falcons would be home dogs. It should be a close spread, but I feel like it should be the other way. Falcons minus one, one and a half. The Eagles weren't super impressive to me. Week one, the play I really like in this game is the over, actually. So I looked it up. Last year, the Falcons scored 12 points in their opening game as well. The following three weeks, they averaged 35 points. So I expect to bounce back from their offense. And also since 2016... The Falcons over at home is 17 and nine. The Eagles over is 17 and eight on the road. I think this is going to be a super high-scoring game. Both offenses are explosive. The Falcons will get back on track at home. Matt Ryan just better in the dome at home. So that's the play I really like in this game. The over. I agree with you. The line is a little fishy. If I'm taking it, I'm taking the Falcons. I think being home dogs is a little disrespectful. Yeah, and the Falcons are have been great recently. In primetime games, they're eight and three straight up. Their last eleven. My mind has gone back and forth on this one multiple times, but I think I'm landing on the Falcons as well. Um, I like the money line plus one hundred five at home. It just feels like the Eagles have gotten a ton of love this offseason. Wentz is a top three MVP nominee. Um, in ter- sorry, in terms of his odds. Eagles getting a ton of love for Super Bowl, all these different things, and rightfully so. A lot of talent there. But the second half, they look great. But you can't overlook the first half and the fact that this is against a Redskins team that had an over-under of six wins. I'm taking the Falcons. I don't feel great about it. I'm excited to watch this game, though. I agree. Like I said, I think it's going to be super high scoring. It's going to be fun to watch. And I... I just agree with you. I mean, the Eagles didn't play well in the first half. Deshaun Jackson had some big plays. Like, are they going to be that easy versus the Falcons? The Falcons played so bad last week. And there is a little pressure on Dan Quinn to get this team turned around. He fired all the coordinators in the offseason. He's been there a while. There's high expectations for this team. On Sunday night at home, I think this team realizes this is a big game. And you can't you can't start 0-2 in the NFC. The NFC is loaded with really good teams. And even the bad teams, like the Cardinals and the Lions, we saw that game last week. I think both those teams aren't going to be very good, but they'll be competitive. They'll be exciting. You're not going to get a lot of walkovers like the Dolphins in the NFC. So starting 0-2, you just can't do it in the NFC. So that's why I like the Falcons. Yeah, I think there is a lot online for them and just in terms of pride and like a team that's made it to the Super Bowl. They made it to the playoffs two years ago. Last year, they had everything go wrong. Kind of feels like they're getting pushed into a corner. Let's see if they actually respond. Um, but it's, a, I don't know, something about Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, primetime game. The, the trends back it up. It feels like they're going to come to play on Sunday night. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here, have a word from our sponsors, and come back and preview Browns Jets on the other side. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. 
Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like us, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's double. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. There's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's so easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Full Slate listeners get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for any premium suit for just $369, and that includes free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. All right, Cody, let's move on to the Monday night game. Browns traveling to MetLife to take on the Jets. Browns are two-and-a-half-point road favorites, a matchup of teams with both disappointing losses week one in different ways. Where are you leaning in this one? Yeah, this is this is a huge one. You you said it earlier. Loser leaves town match. Potentially, I don't I'm not actually buying it this early in the season, but a lot online here for these two teams, both coming off in different ways, really disappointing losses. Browns obviously all the hype in the world, five and a half point home favorites. They lose by thirty at home to the Titans. And the Jets up sixteen nothing, cruising versus the Bills, blow that one. Um two and a half point favorites for the Browns. Kind of a weird line, right? The Browns were ten and six last season against the spread. They only got better on paper. Um, but so did the Jets, right, in the offseason. Um some things that I'm keeping my eye on. The Browns were incredibly undisciplined last week. 18 penalties for 182 yards. That's a joke. Um, on the Jets side of the ball, we know how they blew it at the end of the game, but Quinnen Williams and C.J. Mosley, two of their studs on defense, especially C.J. Mosley, he was incredible um, last Sunday. They're both dealing with injuries and are questionable for the game. We're obviously recording on Tuesday evening. It's going to be pretty important, I think, if those guys are actually healthy. Tyler, I'm leading on the Brown side of the ball, though. I'm buying the talent on the road. I think Baker shows up and bounces back, and they're able to get this one done. Um, I like them in the spot. So I'm, I'm going Browns. Is is that where your head's at, too, or are you going Jets here? This game's a tough one. You look at the trends. Both of these teams have been so bad the last few years, and the Browns historically are terrible. So you look at the trends. Nothing is good on either side. <laughs> I was able to you know do a little data mining and find two trends mm-hmm. that were favorable for the Browns. 
So the Browns are 6-1 and one against the spread, their last seven following and against the spread loss. And the Jets are 1-8 and eight straight up, their last nine following a loss. So not favorable for the Jets. Uh, having said that, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I really didn't like how either of these teams played in week one on the offensive side of the ball for the Jets. The defense played well, and then the Browns all together were a mess. I don't know. I think I'm taking the Browns. This is Colin Cowherd is going to be watching this game very closely. Darnold's his boy. He hates Mayfield, so I think that adds a little extra motivation for Mayfield. Odell coming back to New York, not against the Giants, but the Jets. So I think I just talked myself into the Browns. Yeah, I I saw those two trends you did. I I'm buying the Browns bounce back. You you threw another set out about teams coming off double digit loss week one, the week two bounce back. That Jets loss is so fucking demoralizing at home. I think there's a lot of hype. We talked about it, but like one of those two teams was going to be kind of good this year. The Bills or the Jets. And I think it's leaning more towards the Bills, uh, which isn't breaking news by any sense of the word. But I I just don't know that the Jets are there. Darnold did not look good. A lot of their offense was from the defense. So if the defense shows up again, that's huge for them. But again, two of their game breakers on defense are, are hurt right now. Quinn Williams left the game in a boot. He sprained his ankle. C.J. Mosley has a groin injury. Last side check. You're probably going to need both of those guys out there if they're going to stop this high-powered Browns offense coming off laying an absolute dud week one. Um, so I'm buying the Browns. I do wish, honestly, I wish this was a little bit closer to a pick but two and a half at this point, it's, that's good enough for me to take the Browns as as a road favorite, our specialty. For sure. Like you said, those two guys on the Jets' defense being out is huge. Um, offensively, they didn't show us a lot, but the Browns' defense also looked pretty terrible. So, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a close game. I would say it's a must-win for both teams. We read off the Browns' schedule. It's tough. The Jets can't afford to start 0-2 as well. It just seems typical for the Jets to have a huge home game on Monday night and to blow it. So, i like that to continue and take the Browns. Yeah, so I guess we're both riding on this Cleveland bandwagon here. Uh, I think a bunch of people hopped off. We were never on it, but, I mean, we'll buy the cheap seats now, get on for this Monday night game. Real quick, before we get to our lock of the week, I wanna we want to introduce a new segment here, the IU Football Minute. Tyler, as one of three Indiana University football fans on the planet, Huge game for the Hoosiers this week. I think as a very, very warm weather fan, I'm going to say like Scottsdale in May fan of IU football. Um, I'm excited for this one. The Hoosiers are home. 12 o'clock kickoff versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. We are 16 and a half home dogs in this one. Tyler, are the home dogs going to eat? Are the Hoosiers going to finally get the win that puts the program on the map? Um, I am pulling up my phone now so i will put up the stopwatch and give you i, a I feel like I, f- I feel like i need more than a minute i don't know if i could get it all in but i'll try okay okay we'll we'll try for i'll get maybe 90 seconds maybe a minute 20 or sorry the, maybe the, two minutes the first one for the ohio state game a little more beef to it give me give me 80 seconds all right i'm gonna give you 90 seconds and be ready stopwatch three two one and we're off 
So as everyone knows, Ohio State has been a powerhouse in the country. But however, over their last eight matchups, Indiana's 7-1 against the spread versus Ohio State. You look at their last four matchups. I went back through it today, and some of those final scores are misleading. Uh, Ohio State last year won by like over 20. But in all those games, IU was either winning in the second half or within one possession. So these games have been close. And in those four matchups, Indiana's quarterback has either has not been as good as the quarterback they have this year, Michael Penix, redshirt freshman. It's only been two games, but I'm really excited about him. And the, the quality he has at pass quarterbacks having, he's able to run, and he's a really good thrower in the pocket. He could throw the deep ball well. It's an explosive element of the offense we haven't had previously. So I like that. Two keys to the game. One, they have to get off to a hot start. If Justin Fields has three touchdowns like he did the first game of the season versus FAU, Indiana has no chance. They can't climb out of the hole. And second, most teams like to use the run to set up the pass. I want them to use the pass to set up the run. Come out aggressive. Throw the ball downfield like they've done in the first two games with Penix to IU's bigger receivers. I think that helps open up holes for Stevie Scott. He hasn't played great through two games. But if they're able to get some long pass plays early in the game, put the Buckeyes on their feet, their back heels, whatever that term is, then that opens up the run game for Stevie Scott. So those are the keys to who's your victory. That's, um, that's your 90 seconds. Out. I'm waving. I'm waving in the camera, cutting Tyler off. Tyler, very impressive. That was well done. I like I like the using the pass to set up the run. So final pick, I'm assuming you're on the Hoosiers plus 16 and a half. Or money line plus 550. I have Ooh, I have to be maybe I'll sprinkle a little on money line as well. I, I really do think this is the best team they've had to go against the who or to go against Ohio State. It's Ryan Day's first uh, coaching appearance at, on the road, so maybe there's some kinks there. Ohio State hasn't played anybody yet, neither has IU, but I don't know. I think Indiana always gives them a good game at home, and also I do believe it's going to be a high-scoring game. Quick stat. So I use last 13 games at home when they're an underdog of 10 or more points. The over has gone, has hit 10 of those 13 games. So a little trend to look out for. I do think this will be high scoring. And hopefully I won't break my phone again this year like I did when the game happened last year. Yeah, this is the phone breaking game, right? So over under on this one for the season coming into the year was a half. This is really when we, we lay it all out on the line. Hoosiers 2-0. and I really, I really hope for your sake that we actually get the win here, and for IU football's sake, let's put the program on the map and finally win one of these close games at home versus a ranked opponent, especially Ohio State. That would be awesome. The pick that you shouted out that I really like is the over. Maybe a little teaser of the over in IU at home, at home plus 16 and a half, or sorry, a parlay. Perhaps, like I said, and you mentioned, just they need one of these marquee wins. Ohio State, please. Just one. And people listening who don't follow IU football might think that's ridiculous to ask for them to beat the sixth ranked team. But for anyone who's mildly followed this team, they are close every year versus these top teams. All you need is one win to break through. I'm not asking for them to go 12 and 0, but if they're close in the second half, just pull out one of these fucking games for once. Tom <laughs> Allen. If Tom Allen puts in Peyton Ramsey our backup quarterback in a situation where the game is close and Michael Penix isn't hurt. I think that's a phone breaking uh, scenario. 
All right, so stay tuned, Full Slate fans, for Tyler potentially breaking his phone. iPhone 11 was announced today, so maybe it'll be an excuse for him to get the new phone. Try it out for all the listeners. You never know. Um, that's enough IU football talk. Lock of the week. Um, I I started the season on a winning note. I would love to keep this going. You 0-1. Feels a little familiar to last year. We already said it. There are eight road favorites on the slate this week landmines everywhere i would love to scurry around them and pick a winner um tyler i will let you give out your lock of the week um first thank you you mentioned those landmines i feel like i'm running into maybe the most dangerous one a team that we always i feel like shit on on the podcast i'm taking the bills minus one and a half on the road versus giants oh boy I don't even know. I know they're playing on the road, but Buffalo's in New York. It's not a crazy road game. They won in this stadium last week. They should be pretty familiar with it. So some stats and trends I like. Since 2017, the Giants at home are the worst team against the spread, 4-11-1 in the NFL. The home field advantage has been mitigated there. The Bills' defense last week played incredible. They batted down five Sam Darnold passes, hit him eight times, sacked him four times, and... Sam Darnold's pass attempts were only 4.3 yards per per attempt, which is horrendous. This defense is legit. This is a top 10 defense in the NFL. And they also had four turnovers in the first half. We're only down 6-0. They battled back to win that game versus the Jets. I think that gives a team a lot of confidence. Devin Singletary looked really good as a rookie running back. I think they'll give him more carries. And the Giants are banged up. Um, Sterling Shepard is probably going to miss the game with a concussion. Their right guard, Kevin Zeitler, might miss the game also. They're already banged up. They don't have a lot of weapons. The only thing that makes me nervous is Saquon Barkley, obviously, but this Bills defense is legit that they could really focus in on him and make Eli Manning beat them, which I'm fairly confident he can't. The Jets' offense they played last week was slightly better, and they really shut them down. So that's why I like the Bills minus one and a half. This is one of those swing weeks for the full slate pod. We had a couple last year, but... This is also my lock of the week. We don't, oh, discuss baby. These, we don't discuss these things ahead of time, but this just means lever it up. We're stacking it on. I agree. Just looking at this, the Bills, I like they were down 16 nothing going into the fourth quarter. They played terrible in the first half, four turnovers, but they really showed something, scoring 17 straight points in a hostile road environment in week one. I think Josh Allen put some things together at the end of the game. He's a little bit squirrely back there. Like he's sneaky better than you think he is. Um, And what you said about the Bills defense, I wholeheartedly agree with. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, they were the number two ranked defensive unit in the NFL. They brought back 10 of 11 starters. And last week versus Le'Veon, who we kind of forget about, right, since he was out a year last year, but he was a top three running back in the NFL. They held him to 60 60 yards on 17 carries. Saquon is incredible. Yes, he will probably rip off one long run in this game, but I'm taking my chances that this Bills unit, defensive unit, is going to be able to keep the Giants locked up enough offensively. Make Eli Manning beat you. Let him keep dimping and dunking it off to Evan Ingram. It doesn't equal points for them. I'm riding the Bills. And on the other side of the ball, the Giants defense, Dak Prescott, he's playing for a new contract, and the Giants helped his cause big time. I think the uh, 
I think Josh Allen and this Bills offense are going to be able to get some big plays over the top. And like you said, Devin Singletary looked good out of the backfield. Four carries, 70 yards. I like him to have a big week. And I think the Bills minus one and a half road favorites were on this together. What could possibly go wrong? Not much. <laughs> Especially uh, against, against Eli Manning. This has all the makings. Eli Manning just has that. He has that way about him to always fuck us over at the worst possible times. And I got a little excited. I looked at the Bills' schedule. So they're obviously 1-0. They play the Giants this week. They're home versus the Bengals next week. There's there's a real scenario where they start 3-0. This team is confident. I really like their coach, McDermott. I, I like that edge, him over Pat Shermer. I think Josh Allen's better than Eli Manning. The Bills' defense is better. Then the Giants defense, the only edge is Saquon. So limiting him will be the key of the game. Even if he puts up his numbers, I still like the Bills offense to exploit the Giants defense. Like you mentioned, how Dak did it last week. Josh Allen has a big arm. They're going to take some shots. So I, I, I'm nervous that we both like the Bills. Yeah, I'm terrified. Uh, it, it crossed my mind. Do I change my lock of the week? But I, I love this pick. Um I, I really do. We gave out the stat about the week two bounce back. Uh, so that would apply to the Giants. But we're going to fade that one in this case. I just think this Giants team is broken. I think that first drive versus the Cowboys where they put it all together, I think that's probably as good as it's going to get from Eli Manning this season. Probably. Another stat, the Giants are 1-6-1 and one against the spread in their last eight games at home, so that goes with the stat I said earlier, how bad they've been at home. 1-8 straight up in their last nine games played in September. This Giants team fucking sucks. If they beat the Bills <laughs> this week, I'm going to have to eat a lot of crow, but they are bad. They're... All right, that's all I have to say. Yeah, they, they are bad. They are bad. Correct. We're both on the Bills, minus one and a half. I feel like we could uh, get this into some kind of contest for full slate listeners since we're both on this ship. But hop on now. I kind of want to lock this in tonight because I feel like this line is going to move away from minus one and a half even more so. Um, so, okay, we're on the Bills. And this is one of those swing weeks for us where it's big for the podcast, so we knock this out of the park, go 2-0, and uh, yeah, wow, okay. So, Tyler, we are going to be back next week for the Pick'em Pod. Um, Matt and Greg will be on Sunday's recap show, and we will be back next week for the Pick'em Pod. But in the meantime, again, tweet out um, your winner to the Thursday night game. We'll send out all the contest details there. And, Tyler, any, anything else for our listeners, or just let's go Bills? Let's go Bills. Let's go Hoosiers. Big football weekend coming up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.